0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to
1: Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Voices of Unity. This is Reverend Jackie Fernandez and I'm thrilled to bring you what is sure to be an amazing show today. I'm so excited. Sylvia Hayes, author and uh, personal life coach is on the program. Welcome Sylvia. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I am delighted you're here. Uh, Your book, When Life Blows Up, is so timely, and I can't wait to dive into it. I would love to introduce you to our listeners, for those who are not familiar with you. Uh, And let me cut to the last piece of your bio, because this will really cue people in, I think, to what what they're going to experience today. Sylvia specializes in working with people who are wanting or needing to reinvent their lives careers and identities and reclaim peace, power and purpose. So, if that applies to you, and I'm sure to some degree and in some way it does because we are evolving people, then there is going to be something in store for you today. Sylvia is uh, just reading your bio and also your book. I watched your TED talk and it's been a real treat to absorb you. So um, I will say that and invite people to visit your website and to seek more of you and get the book. This book is like a must have because I, I will have to Say that when I pick it up and I kind of thumb through, anywhere I stop, I'm like, "Oh, this is me," and I have to read. You know, <laughs> so it, it's that kind of experience, and um, and I, I suppose that. You know, it really feels like it'll be a book that I can continue to pick up in that way and and just drop into and, and really gain something from it. Sylvia is an award-winning environmental and anti-poverty activist, so this woman is the real deal, and the former first lady of Oregon, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that, and committed social change maker, founder and CEO of 3E Strategies and Sylvia Hayes Enterprises, her book, When Life Blows Up, Peace, Power, and Reinvention published earlier this year. So this was written pre-COVID, people. Uh, so can we add profit to your <laughs> to your bio? As she is also faculty at Oregon State University, um, the sustainability program and college of agriculture. Sylvia has led by no surprise an unconventional life, starting out as a cowgirl and farm kid, surviving deep trauma. Winding up on her own at 16, working as a heavy equipment operator and first-generation college graduate. Congratulations for that. She has founded several successful businesses and traveled to over 20 countries so far. She has held high-profile public positions, survived an intense politically motivated public shaming, and delivered a widely viewed TEDx talk, which, again watch it. You will be glad you did. She is currently well into the Unity Worldwide Spiritual Institute ministerial training program. Awesome. I am a staff on the faculty there, so maybe, maybe I'll get you in class. Um, so, you know, we can, there's multiple places we can dive in, and my head has been spinning over this last week of like, where, where are we going to kick off this conversation? Because I feel like once we do, it's just going to take off. Um, so let me just, I've been talking for we a bit here let me just like check in with you like like what's 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 kicking with you today right now in this moment
0: well I'm just really um, really happy to be on your show and um, I do I never ever could have imagined that my book by that title would publish because it took five years to complete the thing <laughs> I mean it, it was a journey the book itself the process of the book itself was part of my journey, but um, I never could have imagined that it would drop just weeks before COVID hit. So I do think um, I think there's a there is some real value for people. There are so many people who are reeling it from you know one yeah. way or another, and that's what the book is about. So I just always appreciate a chance to to talk about it and let people know about it. Awesome.
1: I would like to hear, you know, chapter two. So, I mean, chapter one. No, no, no. Oh, God, no. You know, but chapter two, treat the trauma. You know, you begin the chapter with this quote by Yasmeen Mogahed. Don't despair if your heart has been through a lot of trauma. Sometimes that's how beautiful hearts are remade. They are shattered first. Oh, I can feel that. Like, I can just feel that (laughs) to
0: to my core. I wish that quote were mine. I think it's so fabulous. Um, Yeah. So maybe I should just give folks a little bit of background into what happened so that they can have the context. How does that feel?
1: That's
0: great. So my book, it, it, it is definitely personal development and it's got a lot of practical real life exercises, how you survive and then thrive through very unexpected life taking a turn you never saw coming. In my case, what happened with me? There's literally my life before October seventh, two thousand fourteen, and my life after. And that was the day. On that day, I was at that time serving as First Lady of Oregon. I was long time uh, life partner to the governor who was running for reelection. And on that day, a reporter notified me that um, they had dug up some, quote, misdeeds from my past, which I'm happy to talk about, um, from nearly 20 years earlier, and were about to go public with that. And what happened is um, a handful of media who opposed our agenda and political opponents Used my past to launch a series of, basically, a campaign of misinformation that the governor and I had misused our public positions for personal gain, and he won re-election anyway. But resigned under ongoing, intense media pressure, um, and we were investigated by the IRS, FBI, others for two and a half years before they fi- finally came back and said there's nothing here to file charges about. But by that time, I mean, you know, the old cliche, but the damage was done for
1: sure. You know, that's pretty, pretty intense. You know, many of us experience some variation of um, sort of being revisited by ghosts of the past uh, in our own lives or misdeeds as you characterize it. And, but to do so in such a public way
0: Yes, it was. um, It was shattering. It's as close as I've ever come to just not going on. I I, I never actually contemplated that, but there were many moments when I just would have felt it would have been fine if I had just gone to sleep and not awakened again, because it felt like what I was going to have to go through to get through this was just too big it was too big and too hard it it, and i share that in the book as as openly and honestly as i can overnight when this happened i became the most humiliated person in every circle that i was running in i literally was the newspapers and for weeks and weeks and weeks could not go into a grocery store without it being my face that was on every single thing on the stand Um, made it on (laughs) CNN and MSNBC and even into the UK tabloids at a certain point. So it was, um, it was unbelievable. And it just from the get go, it just seemed so much bigger
1: than I was. And so in what way? Uh, um, So you're sort of like, you're describing like here, you're living your life going into the grocery store, going into a convenience store and, You know, it's the press and like this sort of big. um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm. I'm losing the word for it. But like this big entity of um, press and social discourse uh, that happens every day in our country. We are inundated, you know, with news. And so to see yourself on that, I can't imagine there's anything but some sort of like disconnect or dissociation with who is that person that I'm looking at and who am I standing here.
0: It it was, you know, honestly, the, the intensity of it, it was so huge and it was so um, everywhere. And I knew, I knew what we had done or hadn't done. So I had the confidence of really having a ton of faith that it was going to work out, but I never could have foreseen how long that would take. Um, and I was feeling so, I was so rattled about myself and about my own, um, you know, I had kind of believed I had was a, something of a sort of street-smart survivor, and I had made the unbelievably naive and stupid mistake of getting into a high-profile position without being fully transparent about my past. And by the way, just so people know, the misdeeds from my past included um, uh, engaging in a green card marriage so that the, the person could stay here in the country. He'd been here for seven years on scholarship— in order to uh and and his family gave me money which helped me to go to college that that and being um peripherally involved in a in a planned but never followed through on marijuana growing operation all in the same 18 months so that's what um and and the truth is if i had just gotten that out uh, you know just been honest about that up front I think most people at least here in Oregon would have been like yeah well it was 20 years ago no biggie but I just never even thought about it you know it was I had kind of compartmentalized that anomalous 18 months of my life off and Mm -hmm. so the mistake of The mistake, and it caused so much damage, my mistake caused so much damage to the person I love most in the world and his impeccable career, to state government, to the incredible work that we had underway in the administration. Um, It was a catastrophic mistake. And I had to I had to own that and so back to your point there were times when at my really low moments I would start to kind of question man am I really that valueless caricature that's being put forward is that actually the truth and my belief about myself is that is what's not accurate and those were those were those were terrifying moments when those thoughts would come in.
1: Yeah. And so I'm thinking back to when you were just saying a few minutes ago, how uh, you would have been fine with an exit plan, like if going to sleep and not waking up and, you know, and and I just want to give space for that in this conversation because, you know, we have such an intense culture of trial by media and, you know, by and large, most people don't experience that. Um, however, um, again, variations of that to varying degrees in our communities and our social circles, um, you know, sometimes the truth is not what prevails or it takes a long time for the truth to prevail and how we manage ourselves through those experiences is, is um, at the core very similar. So I think, you know, the power of you speaking into your story and how you survived and thrived and grew in and through that um, is so important to share with people and, you know, to be as, as open and authentic and transparent about it as you are is really what empowers other people to to face their own darkest days and um, inner demons, if you will, um, through that. So talk to us about how you began to pick up the pieces, you know, the title of your book, When Life Blows Up, you know, so everything blew up for you. And you're reconciling, you know, how you have, Um, your choices have are now being used against your partner and um, and you and how 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 do you take a step forward in this rubble
0: yeah I I, I, um, I'm happy to talk about that and one of the things I would just say I would love for everyone to take it in we do live in a in a shaming culture right now and I was the kid in middle school and high school who protected the kids who were being bullied, so I never could have imagined myself on the receiving end of it, but it has, <clears throat> it has given me greater insight and empathy. I now do understand why young people, especially when they wind up in a shaming situation— um, can become suicidal. So just to everyone out there, it's it's not to be taken lightly if you're aware of someone who's going through that, especially a young person, because it really we' we're, it it tri- it triggers a primal fear because we are a communal species and it's a survival instinct. So would just put that out there. I would say what happened for me, you know, this wasn't my first rodeo with adversity. And so um, I had some resiliency muscles. um, And I was about I was about a month into this whole experience. And I described this scene in the book. I'll keep it really short, but about a month into it. I had an experience where the, where the pain really broke through the anger. I mean, I survived the first month on outrage and anger. And when the pain broke through, it buckled me. Um, and what was interesting is the kind of flashback type memories that I had in that moment of pain breaking through had nothing to do with what was going on right at that in that experience, it actually went all the way back to some really, um, really dark stuff with my dad, and stuff that I had done all kinds of work on. I was angry, <laughs> and then I get it down. I was like, "My God, you're back! You've been dead twenty years, and you're back again." Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew in that moment that I probably needed some help and some additional support in this. And so, by divine guidance, I reached out to a couple of very trusted friends got referrals and I wound up doing, um, some, um, uh, counseling work with a, with a therapist who does EMDR, eye movement, uh, Mm -hmm. deep desensitization and reprogramming. And it turned out to be absolute magic for me. So my, and that, I talk about that right up front because I, I think, you know, our culture is getting better and better about destigmatizing counseling and therapy but I just wanted to lead with that because I think my willingness to step into that so early was cr- critically
1: important. Yeah, absolutely. And I can speak to that too. I've had my own uh, treatment using EMDR and it is exactly what you're saying. It is magical, transformational, and it fast tracks you through uh, through the healing of trauma, unpacking trauma.
0: Definitely. And I don't know that it works for everyone, but my 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 suggestion to anyone who's just, you know, feeling rattled in life. And I want to stress this book is not just for people who have gone through any sort of a shaming or bullying. What I really think it's about is for people who go through something that shakes you off of your familiar identity. That can be a loss of a loved one, a loss of a job, a big illness, what have you, but it's when it's, it's for people who at some point get shaken from our, our own sense of identity and self-concept. That was the biggest devastation for me and also the biggest gift. And that's mm. where the book picks up from there because this experience wound up I, what I say is it it broke me down and then it broke me open. And I do want to just share up, up front in our conversation here. This, you know, is 6 years now and I am infinitely more peaceful and happier and richer than ever before this happened. I I just don't I think I was so much more ego identified than I ever would have realized or admitted. It took something like this for me to be, to have that crack open enough that I could allow that carefully constructed identity to fall away and allow this new one to emerge through it. Um, And it's not like, you know, my personality is very similar. It's all that. It's not, it's not that kind of a thing. It's just I got to the point where I could not force my way through life, which I had been able to do. I finally, for the first time in my life, I stopped working and I allowed myself to be worked on and it became
1: glorious. Wow. That's really deep. And I appreciate you really opening, um, the conversation and it it really is about identity and that, that loss or that, you know, sort of a foundational uh, shaking up. And um, I had bookmarked on chapter eight, which is a quote by you. Uh, You start the chapter under reframe the story, reclaim your power. The lens we view experiences through shapes our reality more than the experiences themselves. And I think that's what you just spoke into that, um, you know, I think there is a metaphysical malpractice that, you know, the shorthand teaching, uh, in unity is, you know, the, our thoughts create a reality and, you know, how we perceive the world is, is our truth and, and all this. And so it, it can become, um, it can be used against our own healing process and our own understanding of possibility and potential of our being, um, But what you how you just talked about it. So, uh, you know, we aren't like grateful that this terrible thing happened. um, But the choice that you made once it happened to use it for your good and to open to that transformation that you're talking about, um, that is the gift. I very
0: much I very much agree with that. And I and I there's a couple of points in there that really resonate with me. I, te- I tend to say that I don't know if everything happens for a purpose spiritually whatever but I know that we can find purpose in everything that happens yes and that that's what I was intent to do with this again part of it and part of what buoyed me a little as I mentioned before the whole thing just seemed so ridiculously bigger than I was right. and I knew we hadn't done you know corruption right. and all of It's like, what on earth is going on here? And so I sensed kind of from the beginning, there's got to be purpose here. There's got to be some way that this can be useful and useful beyond just me. I also love what you said about metaphysical malpractice. That's a big, um, you know, as you mentioned, I'm in the ministerial track with unity. And by the way, I'm actually in the, in the, um, uh, urban school, so I need
1: to probably update my bio. Yeah, well, I thought that was what you had told me, but then yeah. so, it was written in the so
0: yeah. Yeah, I'll update that, um, uh, and I'm loving it. I'm about halfway through credits-wise, but I do think that one of the things that we in New Thought need to be careful about is this notion that you just shift your thinking a little and everything should fall into place. And if it doesn't, maybe you're not doing it right, or there's something wrong with you. I think um, that that can be a tremendous rat hole that people on this yes. path. Around. And I, one of the things I'm really grateful for, um, the last, I'm, I'm actually now I've been one of the courses I've been taking in the ministerial program is advanced metaphysics, and it's a four-term course it's taught by Reverend Carol Lundy and um, it's just it's been truly transformative for me I've just started the the fourth and final um, term with it and we've been studying the works of Walter Lanyon um, who is a long past but he was an early new thought prolific writer and teacher and he really the for me the way he talks about It's not just about affirmations and thinking. It's actually getting into the feeling of it. It's getting into the actual consciousness shift. It's not about the words. It's not about repeating uh, an affirmation. It's about really embodying a a different way of feeling about any uh, circumstance or situation that we're facing. That work has been really profound for me lately.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. So, you know, it's to me, you're describing that process of sort of letting go, you know, if we're speaking our affirmations or intentions, you know, our mantras at will and repeatedly, um, there is a process that happens in that, that moves it from, you know, magical thinking and like the magical words, like if I just say this 27 times, and then breathe three times and then same again twice. <laughs> you know, like we get we do all of these like mental gymnastics around like the magical piece of it, but you're talking about really pulling that into our emotions, into our bodies, and that we are allowing the words to do their work in us. It's a whole different, it's a whole different there's so much depth to that experience.
0: There there is for sure, and back to the the point in the book that you mentioned about the lens. I want to give an example there because it's related but slightly different. There are a bazillion ways that we can describe the events in our lives, and they can all be accurate, right? So I talk about this in a later chapter too when I talk about um, creating your reentry plan and your reentry story. But for me, on the front end of this when i when i realized how long i was going to be sidelined from my work it just it just floored me because my work you know working for for this earth and working to help us bring humanity into some sort of saner relationship with the rest of nature that's been my driving passion my entire adult life and i had I had just gotten to the point in my career where I felt like I was really having an impact and I was kind of at a new level and then it was just annihilated. It was gone. And I was so angry and so despondent that I knew I had to, I knew I was going to have to figure out a new survival strategy. I wasn't going to be able to force it forward. I needed to figure out how to disconnect my inner state of being from the events swirling in my life. And there are several aspects to how I went about that.
1: Um, So we're going to pause you right there because we're going to go to break and then let's hear about like the action sort of the action plan right The the steps to to do what you're describing so we are with sylvia hayes author when life blows up and we will be right back after the break we are spiritual beings having a human experience Welcome to Unity
0: Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. All right. And we are back with author Sylvia Hayes uh, and Life Coach and so much more. I mean, just all around, I'm just going to say spiritual badass. And we are talking, focusing on the book, When Life Blows Up, A Guide to Peace, Power and Reinvention. And if you can believe it, you know, I've added, I've hereby declared Sylvia, the prophet uh, who worked on this book, uh, you know, that based on, you know, her own personal life experience and a fallout of trauma. Um, and delivered it to us just in time for this pandemic. So this is rich and this content of this book is applicable across so many life experiences. But Sylvia, you were in the middle uh, before the break of, of talking to us about re-entry.
0: Yeah, so, and and actually just reframing. And I think that, you know, we have so many people right now who have lost jobs, they're in Economic uncertainty. We've got a lot of people who've lost loved ones. I mean, Mm. there is a lot going on and a lot of uncertainty. And one of the things that I wanted to share, one of the things that was fundamental to me being able to open up to this being more of an empowering rather than just a devastating experience, I was on the front end, I was just so angry and so crazed really that I was going to be unable to do my work for a prolonged period of time. I couldn't believe it and I wasn't going to be able to force it to happen and th- And I made a choice to reframe that. I could have either continued to go forward in that anger and feel- feeling like I had been defeated and treated so unfairly and whatnot or I could do what I did, which was I chose to, to reframe this as an unasked for sabbatical, so that yeah. I could do the, some of the deeper work, really deep work, that I had never taken time for before. And that was that is what gave me, it gave me the ability to embrace surrender rather than feeling like I was being defeated into surrender. And that may just be useful to a lot of folks who are facing circumstances right now that they did not ask for and that have gone on and are going on a lot longer than might have been expected.
1: Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, the words, I just so appreciate the words you're using around it, you know, embracing and choosing And, you know, really looking and reflecting at what's happening. It's not, you know, we aren't, there's no bypass happening. We're not shoving aside the pain and the trauma in order to, you know, engage in this sort of Pollyanna spiritual, you know, positive spirituality. Um, But it's, it's doing the work in and through whatever comes our way. Um, And, and choosing, you know, making the choices, really uh, pulling in our spiritual, Um, sovereignty, our mental, emotional sovereignty as spiritual beings to this is what's happened. I can't undo that. I can't change it. These are the facts and circumstances in my life right now. And, and, and how do I move forward from this? How do I frame this for my own being within me? How do I embrace my life and all that is given to me in this moment and take that next step of living and being and evolving and growing.
0: Most definitely. And in a really just nitty gritty practical exercise that I developed in the midst of this. And I work with lots of folks and this, this is described in the book. One of the things that was really useful to me is I just took, I'm a journaler and a writer. Anyway, I took a sheet of paper and I drew a line down the middle and I put in the left-hand side, what can't I control and in the right-hand side, what can I control? And I was blown. So my my you know my left-hand side was like, <laughs> I can't control what the media is going to do. I can't control if the hate mail is going to come in. I can't control the threats that are coming in. I can't control what this means for my career. I can't control really whether or not John and I are going to survive it. I mean, there was a big chunk there. But mm-hmm. what blew me away was how much was in my I can control. You know, I can control whether or not I respond to the media. Usually that's a bad idea, but I can control <laughs> that. I can control whether or not I don't let too many dirty bathrobe days string together, right? Those were my days mm-hmm. where I was just like, mm, flat out. I could control that. I could control whether or not I was going to continue to get exercise. I could control if I was going to make sure that I continued to meditate regularly. I could control if you know, just doing my own therapy, my own inner work and hoping that that would be helpful to my relationship. And I'm really pleased to note everyone, John and I are still together beautifully. Beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. So, so that's a useful exercise because when you really get out of fear and take one step back, I had so much more in what I could control than I realized. And that's a useful, that's a useful thing for for not only just the exercise of it is empowering, but then you start to get to, all right, what do I just need to energetically let go of because I can't do a dang thing about it?
1: And what's in this can control column that could be useful right now? That's so powerful, you know, because if, if we don't know what we can make choices about, then then we fall into that paralysis, right? It's easier to just put the dirty bathrobe on and, you know, and tune out and zone out and disengage Um, from, from life. And um, so I love that being able to just make a list, like, let's just get it on paper so I can look at it and see it. And now I've got some information that, that i already know, of course, but, but it's sort of crystallizes when we put it pen to paper. There's, I believe a lot of um, alchemy that happens when we put our thoughts out side of our own heads and and write it down and then we can do something with that and that and that brings us you know as we express from the being to the doing that that begins to pull us in a direction and we get to choose what direction that is
0: very much so that's that's been my experience
1: so the book is organized part one part two part three and part one surviving the blast right that's the initial like life blowing up. <laughs> part two, the aftermath of the blast zone, clearing away the rubble, moving from surviving to thriving. And part three, resurrection, remembering. And I love this. It's R-E hyphen membering, remembering, rebuilding self with a capital S. So bring us into, and you offer, you know, in this book, some real practical like exercises. Um, I love the chapter on forgiveness, you know, which deserves a full chapter because that's, you know, it's not, um, you know, it's not to be overlooked in any process of, you know, reconciliation with self, with identity, with life, with circumstance.
0: Yeah, I I actually have a chapter on forgiveness and then another chapter on self-forgiveness and I'll roll into that. But the forgiveness piece, I would say one, one of the biggest gifts wrapped in barbed wire that this whole thing presented to me was a much, much deeper understanding and practice of forgiveness. and my hatred and my anger on the front end of this toward the handful of people who put the thing in play it was so intense that if i could have run them down with a car i would have it was it was crazy intense and i knew that and and i had the cognitive dissonance of feeling that hatred and having it just keep me up at night and replaying imagined conversations I'd say to them over and over and yet also being a new thought student and practitioner and realizing that I did not I I did not want to put that kind of ugliness into our world I did not want to be in that space and part of and part of that type of consciousness and so I really, I really struggled with the forgiveness piece. And I was working with a course and I started working with a course of miracles about six or eight months into my whole ordeal, which is profound on the subject of forgiveness. And it talks about just being willing. Just all you gotta do is be willing. And I thought I was willing. And then I had a breakthrough <laughs> where I realized, you know what? I'm actually not willing to forgive them because it felt like that was letting them off the hook. And if okay. I let them off the hook, did that mean that I was on the hook? Was I really the one responsible for the craziness in my life? And you know, at the end of the day, yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> in, in many ways, and forgive, forgiveness doesn't say what, or is not about saying what you did was okay, but it is about saying, I'm taking my power back. I'm not giving you power over me anymore. And that was the first part. I had to recognize that actually I was attached to a victim identity, which is never what I would have thought about myself. But I now believe anytime we're stuck in an area where we 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 where we really just are holding on to a lack of forgiveness, we're playing victim straight up. And mm. I just think that's that radical... Self-honesty is really, really important.
1: Yeah. Ooh, I'm having to breathe through that. (laughs) It's, you know, we are so wired um, in a different way and we tend to be. And, and I think so much of our spiritual work is, is, you know, changing the wiring up and leaning into that, you know, and and I've heard it said that all forgiveness is self-forgiveness, which, you know, speaks into what you're saying that, you know, at the end of the day, you know i i do have responsibility in that and even if it's just to the extent of what kind of consciousness i'm holding about it if i'm holding a victim consciousness um then that is within me and you know there's that you know um no one and nothing against you and you know all these ideas and you know again we can't just let those those words don't ring out at this superficial level these are very deep um ideas And, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, people who are experiencing abuse or have experienced harm, you know, physical harm by another person, um, you know, that we just have to be really careful that we aren't saying that. And at the end of the day, you are responsible for that, you know, for what you experienced. But what you're talking about is the consciousness around it. Most
0: definitely, and I and in that chapter, I reference um, the really beautiful book by Desmond Tutu and his daughter Mafo called "The Book of Forgiving," and they they in that book, um, which was really helpful to me at the time, um, they they describe a four part process of forgiveness that was used after apartheid in trying to heal that society, but also within. Desmond and Mafo's own life, because they had tremendous personal loss during that time, loss of, you know, murdered loved ones and all kinds of things. And they talk about the four parts are um, uh, naming the action, ideally to the perpetrator, but just naming it in general. And again, sometimes our, those who have harmed us are already past, right? So this is,
1: mm-hmm.
0: this is more of an inside job. It all is an inside job. But right. na- naming what happened naming how much it hurt and what that felt like, choosing forgiveness and stating forgiveness. And then this is really important. The fourth piece is you either you either redesign or release that relationship. So I definitely am not of the belief that we should continue to work on rebuilding a relationship, even with, I'm someone who has divorced various members of my biological family, um, for long periods of time and rightly so. Um, and I'm also someone who some of those relationships have really healed when we've distanced, but there are certain transgressions that I think the best thing to do is just release those relationships and do our own inner healing. To your point, I, I think this is another area
1: where new thought needs to be careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Well, and the you know the two quotes that you use at the top of the chapters, and they go hand in hand. On the chapter, forgive. Forgiving is rediscovering the shining path of peace that at first you thought others took away when they betrayed you. And then on the forgive yourself chapter, never forget that to forgive yourself is to release trapped energy that could be doing good work in the world. Oh, I know. So what you're saying it's an inside job. It's, you know. Yeah. Do we allow you know these these um, experiences to become pain bodies in our minds and in our hearts and in our physical bodies, or you know, do we we brave enough um, and willing like to bring it back full circle to the beginning of the conversation? You know, being willing um, to to release that so that we can again be in the fullness of our own expression and potential.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's interesting now uh, and I'm so grateful to be able to say this. If I were writing this book now, my chapter on Forgive Yourself would be significantly different because it it would include all that it has here. But my understanding of this has gone, um, deeper and it's particularly through, well, it's through direct experience, but it's also through my work with Course in Miracles and I think the place where we automatically kind of naturally jump to when we think about self-forgiveness is, you know, any of those areas where maybe we're feeling guilty about how we behaved or in my case, you know, it was just devastating guilt from having blown up John, my beloved's life mm-hmm. and career and all of that. I mean, that was, that guilt was unbelievable, but um, working through that. But there's a whole deeper layer to self-forgiveness. Um, and, it, and and forgiveness, if you think about it, I actually believe that the key to true forgiveness, deep transformative forgiveness, is being able to give away so that we can move forward. Forgiving, giving to go forward. And what I mean by that, again, it comes back to identity. The deeper aspect of self-forgiveness is being able to give away the concept of ourself that we're holding onto. It's what Course of Miracles would call the ego and not just arrogance or ha- what have you, but the ego as this, this constructed identity, this personality that we create to navigate through this world, believing that it is protecting us when actually I have learned it's really limiting us.
1: Hmm.
0: The self forgiveness is, is of course making amends, doing what we can for the obvious, you know, human errors that we've made. And then the deeper aspect is being, being willing to release that death grip on our familiar identity so that we can actually step into our true selves.
1: So, Yes, 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 yes. Amen. Preach it. <laughs> um, and th- so for you, what did that feel like?
0: Well, you know, uh, I'm just blessed to be able to say that I had, because this thing was so intense and because I had been put in serious time out um, that I couldn't control I started to have a series of what I would definitely call mystical experiences, and in those experiences, I describe some of this in the book. It, during kind of a meditative, you know, meditative time, I got I, I, moved past sensing myself as just a body. I lost track or a sense a sensation of the My physical boundaries, the me that stopped at the end of my skin, you know, I, that expanded, and I just had a number of experiences where I genuinely felt my oneness with this vast source that i would that I would call creator, the life force. Um, and it was and it it was totally life changing. and so I as we were speaking about earlier, I think I had been using the language and the teachings of new thought. But during this experience, I actually began to experience that consciousness at at a very real and direct level. And that has continued um, to, to this day. I'm grateful to say it was just absolutely worth the whole entire screwed up event <laughs> that mm-hmm that piece right there. And so, and that's what I really go into in the third part, the third section of this book. A lot of people will say, you know, in the middle of a tremendous crisis, that that's when they found God. Mm -hmm. I say that's when I found myself and I redefined God. Um, I'm a person who has, I came from a very heavy handed fear-based, judgmental, kind of Southern Baptist-style Christianity that I really rebelled against. Um, And yet, in the last several years, realized how much of that programming, especially the programming of separation from the Creator, separation from Source, how much that programming had still been influencing me in what I believed about God and, and what I believed about myself. And so that I explain in the third part, that's been the most awesome part of my journey over the last, starting when all of this happened, but even over this last year, the deepening of that is just so glorious.
1: That's beautiful, and you know, and I, you know, I'm thinking that I don't know that there is a way to um, to have our identity shaken to the core without also reevaluating um, how we identify, understand, define God, higher self, whatever languaging we put to that, um, because because our soul, our spirit is so you know connected um and is of the essence of god there's there's really no way to do that deep work without having to look at uh, all of our assumptions all of our definitions if if i'm not me then god is not she i'll say (laughs) Uh, you know um and and to to do that is So then when we feel like the, you know, the rug has been pulled out from under us, when we feel like our, you know, we've been shaken to the core of our foundation or, you know, everything has been destroyed life as we know it, um, to lose like the one thing, you know, our faith or what we perceive God to be at that time, it can, that can also feel like that's its own sense of overwhelm. Like I don't know myself and now I don't know God, like what is there? What, what is there that I, what thread or shred of something can I know in this moment? And I think like when we find ourselves in that place, that is like, that is the moment of awakening where we are ripe for beginning to understand at at a deeply profound level.
0: Yeah. Somewhere in the, in the course of miracles, it says one of the most, um, I'm paraphrasing of course, but one of the most powerful questions. Uh, statements we can make is I don't know mm. I don't know you know I don't know what I am I don't know what this is I I don't know but and and I will tell you that's not that sounds simple but it's not easy there were moments in this when all of that when all of what I thought I knew was really really crumbling where I was kind of questioning am I losing my mind here mm-hmm. you know I Am I going to be okay on the other side of this or am I unraveling? And, um, but I had enough faith in myself, you know, enough faith to, and in the fact that I was doing the work and whatnot that I I could sense, I would have those moments of fear, but then I could come back and be like, no, still, you're all right. You know, <laughs> you're, you're all right. You're going to be all right. You're just expanding here. You're going to be all right. Roll with this, you know, and then I would, then I would become exhausted and have another stretch of couple of dirty bathrobe on the couch days. I definitely do not want to put forward, like, I, I moved through this whole thing artfully and completely
1: healthfully. I had, I had both. <laughs> yeah. You know, the want- full experience. Right. And, and that's, you know, by sharing that, I think the more that we can do that is we give permission for others to share that it is not a clean line. This line from, um, you know, massive destruction of life to, um, happy (laughs) and whole and joy filled is not a a clean line in one direction. It's, you know, it's circuitous at best and often, you know, very steep inclines, declines.
0: For sure. And, you know, one thing that I would love to share with anyone who's listening to this, who maybe is in the process of such a big, life turning upside down, whatever. um, I think it's really important also to have a strategic reentry plan. And let let me explain that. So a couple of years into this, I would get frustrated when I would bump into someone who had not seen me since before the whole thing happened. And this is the first thing they would ask about. And I, it would be frustrating because I wanted to not be talking about this. I wanted to talk about whatever I was doing then. But then I was in a couple different instances and I talk about this in the book where I was talking to someone and I was telling them about this and they were like, wow, I had no idea. I I, I hadn't heard about that. And I was like, oh my God, I'm the one leading with it, right? Yeah,
1: Because
0: it felt like this huge elephant that was mm-hmm. everybody knew about. But that's not the case. So for anyone who you know has experienced a big loss or whatnot especially if if in your community you know that a lot of people do know about it it's your jo- it's your choice and your decision if you want to address that or not and what i did with my reentry plan is i made a point where i would not lead with it and if anybody asked about it, I would just say, and most people were very kind. I did, I've did. i never gotten to my face what I've gotten anonymously, not mm-hmm. once. Yeah. So That's I right. would just say, you know, it was an unbelievably difficult thing. Tremendous growth resulted, and I'm so grateful to be moving forward. And then I would just mm-hmm. shift the topic. The other thing that I think is practical and useful to folks um, you know, again, maybe you've lost your job due to COVID, or maybe you, your life got derailed when you lost a loved one. Whatever it may be,
1: there. Oh. Go ahead, wind up that. That's our wind up music. Different,
0: there are different ways to describe what happens to us. Others.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Sylvia, for being on the show today. This is an amazing book, When Life blows Up. It is ripe for our time. And thank you. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.